balls to the wall. Let's do this. That's that was the logic. That was it. Like, Whoa! <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Hip hop hustle podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? It's official. For the first time ever, we have Hip Hop Hustle podcast merch. From hoodies to T-shirts to hats and even slides, go to the hiphophustlepodcast.com to get yours. Alrighty, there we go. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I am with a fantastic artist, the one, the only. Uh, Lydia Lyon came through Um Part of the reason I actually have you on the show is because it's kind of rare for me to speak to people who are so well-versed in music across all realms. Like, and when I say all realms, obviously you have an amazing voice in-house at the moment, um, but you've also played violin, you've done covers, you've literally got it all. So I was like, I have to have you on the show because uh, I think people would be interested in your journey and it's far from a typical one. You've moved countries, you speak multiple languages. So yeah, I'm extremely excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And it's also really nice to hear somebody kind of package it in such a nice way. To me, my career seems such a jumbled, you know, (laughs) bag of whatever. (laughs) It's really nice to hear it put that way. And I'm really happy to be on the show because uh, as I was telling you also off camera, like i really like what you're doing so it's really an honor for me well thank you i'm glad that uh we're both happy at the moment hopefully it stays that way throughout the whole interview um that's always my biggest fear at the end where where they're always like i won't do that again but luckily i haven't had much of that feedback but it must be strange because i think all artists go through this where you're just trying to navigate it as you go, right? You're just trying to figure it out one step at a time. You don't really know where it's going. And then when you hear it back to you, you're like, oh, yeah, I am pretty good now that you mention it. Is it weird when that happens? In life, I kind of have this philosophy that I will never kind of get bigger than my britches. My head is pretty much on my shoulders because I've had so many transitions um, in my career that I know that things can peak you know, very high and they can also hit rock bottom (laughs) at the bottom of the valley. So I think, yeah, when you think about it, like putting everything together from also an outside perspective, it's good to know that things don't look as messy (laughs) as they appear to me while I'm in it. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I think messiness is the kind of the fun part, right? Like it would be weird if it was so organized and structured and you didn't have the ups and the downs like would it actually be fun if it didn't go through those peaks and valleys absolutely not I also think that that's kind of part of my personality that I'm just in general all over the place (laughs) and I love music because the one constant is the music the one constant is the drive to improve my craft to learn as much as I can because I 
I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing to say, but I, my main focus in life has really always been music. I have been very minimally interested in other disciplines and in other things. It's really always been my thing. So I think um, despite all of the mess and all the noise from outside and all of the things that happen to you on the, along the way, the most joyful thing for me is picking up any nugget of knowledge I can about the craft I'm so interested in and I love so much. And it's an incredible way to connect with people like yourself, like, you know, artists from all over the world, even, for example, during the pandemic, that just you know, hopping on the internet and sending a couple of emails and all of a sudden you're working with people on, you know, all different continents of the world. It's so, it's such an enriching craft and discipline. And I, I love music for that reason. What drew you to it young? I was in elementary school and I was three and you had to choose in my school, you had to choose an instrument to play after school. And I was so fascinated by the violin because I would hear the older kids playing in the hallways and at concerts. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. So I started playing violin and the program at my school was very, um, well, we started with Suzuki method, but we also had a fiddle uh, class. So fiddle class was just so cool because it was all ear training, all uh, everything we played was by ear. We would stand in a circle. We would play fiddle tunes. We would improvise. And this like kicked my mind into high gear. Like, oh my goodness, music is, is for me. Like it's, it's free. It's collaborative. It's so incredibly challenging when, you know, you're like young and somebody's kind of like kicking you in the butt, like, Hey, go to the front, play a solo. We're going to hold you in the back. You know, it's like, what and especially on an instrument like the violin which it's done you know it's also like many traditions around the world traditional music on string instruments on violin of course you have a large component of improvisational elements in music and yeah um, especially also in jazz but when you think from a classical standpoint which most people think about from violins or strings you don't think of somebody just soloing off you know off the top of their head over you know rhythm changes it's so cool so i think that's what from a young age made me realize i am a musician this is me of it need it <laughs> it's so interesting hearing you describe it as an adult what you must have felt as a child because as a child obviously you you don't even understand what you're feeling you're just inherently feeling something you don't know what it is or how to put it into words and it just kind of clicks for you i mean I didn't even realize that that is something that people could do was just like make up violin. I mean, now that I say it, I feel like a moron because obviously people have to no. make up songs. But, but at like, yeah, obviously, like all I've seen is like people playing the violin to sheets of music. Yeah. But I feel as though. As I told you, my mind is always scattered. <laughs> so when I had to, uh, that's also why I like the Suzuki method, which is what I learned. It was also ear training. You learn, you, of course, you have the sheet music, but you really learn by memory. And I didn't really train so much my ability to sight read. And I couldn't sight read um, until my adult years when I went to um, college. So I loved the fact that my path was so different 
than so many other people playing my instrument. And it got me a lot of ridicule, actually, <laughs> because it's just so not standard and it's considered, I mean, it's kind of frowned upon, oh, you play fiddle music, you know, it's not real music. How many times did I hear that? But I liked that because I'm also so outside of the box as a person <laughs> that that just always matched with me in my spirit. So. Yeah. Do you think that holds <laughs> classical music back, that it is so prescriptive? Like, Because as you said it, mm. and I, I'm just trying to imagine myself in your shoes as a kid, you love the violin. You're just loving playing. You're experimenting. You're like, let me test myself. Let me explore. And they're like, no, you're not allowed. You have to stick yeah. in the box. And then all of a sudden the music stays the same for decades. and people wonder why there's no new listeners anymore. I think I'm of two minds about it. And I've always grappled with this opinion. I think classical music is what it is in the sense that there are so many different types and subcategories of the genre. And it lends itself to a lot of creativity with the person who's playing or especially the, the soloist or whoever's standing in front playing concerto, whatever they're playing, you can interpret in so many ways with even just the stroke of your bow or, you know, the, the how long you hold the note, how, it, you know, there are so many different ways to interpret a piece that make you want to listen to that particular player. It's a completely different mindset on the whole. And that definitely serves because a lot of people want to hear those classics and they want to hear them interpreted by different souls. And that's what makes it musical to me. Um, I think the rigidity in classical music comes from the people playing the music, the people who are interpreting the music. It, there's definitely a tradition of this is how it's always been done and this is how we should learn it, how we should interpret it. I can give you an example. Like when I was younger, I was playing, um, I was learning different concertos from different uh, um, composers. And sometimes, because I heard this uh, violin player named Stuff Smith play the Bach double, um, which is an incredible piece. It's so amazing with two different violins play. It's so cool. Anyway, so I was playing it and he has a jazz version and he totally flipped it around, made it so cool, added a lot of improvisation. So I was just adding little, you know, embellishments and here and there. And my uh, teacher, who is absolutely lovely, but she was just like, hey, you need to like straighten it up a bit. Stop throwing in your spice <laughs> and I was like okay sure there's like a time and a place I guess but at the same time it just, I don't know it just doesn't work for me so I don't think it holds the music back because I think people really love to hear the classics the way the classics were done and I think like every individual plays it so differently it's like I can sing for example Halo by Beyonce and then another woman will sing it and it'll sound totally different just because the soul doing it, the voice doing it, totally different. The instrument that's going to play a Bach double by, I don't know, somebody named Brittany, it's going to sound totally different because their instrument is different. Their mindset is different. Their experiences have been different through their life and what music means to them is different. So it's going to come out totally different than the way I would play it. And um, it's in the subtleties. And it's definitely in being technical. That matters a lot in classical music. Um, 
because of how things are written. But I think the cool thing about jazz or like fiddle music is you have these ways to write. You can annotate the music, you can write it down, sure. But that came later. That came because we had already heard it being played by ear. Mm. And we had to figure out a way to annotate the music so that we could share it with people who did not come from the tradition of ear training, of playing by ear. And that made that music widespread, which is why for me, it's so much more communal. It's so much more, it reaches so many more people. And it has such a vast range of interpretations when you speak in terms of like non-classical music and more traditional music. Um, yeah, that's my interpretation. Yeah, Could also be BS, but. Well, I think, <laughs> that's what I think. I think obvious, it's, it's weird because I'm like from the outside looking in and you, you obviously have lived the world. And so it's always an interesting perspective of hearing someone who's lived it versus me who comes in as just a fan of music and just listens to it and is just like, hey, why why this? Like, why that? And I, I just think that for me personally and similar to you, I don't like being told what to do all the time and I like having my freedom. And that's already like, I'm like, well, I don't love that there are rules that I'll have to follow constantly. And obviously there are standards and obviously there is theory that gets you to where you need to go. But the idea of constantly being boxed in and then when you're creative, they're saying, no, 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 bring it back. And then and then you're doing it and then they bring it back and it just would feel like it's a never-ending battle. That was my gripe with it. That's why I shied away at a certain point for sure and then you went into singing yeah (laughs) yes i did (laughs) which was unexpected to say the least (laughs) because i was so focused on violin and then it came time for my audition to um, different universities my mom wanted me to go to a normal school you know normal college I was not having it (laughs) and at some point she was like why are you only getting uh replies from music institutions I was like I have no idea that's all I applied to anyway you know I'm starting to pick up a theme from you is that anytime you're told to like hey do this you're like "Mm, now that you told me I think I'm going to do the exact opposite that is why I'm a mess. <laughs> I have like all of my friends are like, oh, Lord, Lydia, <laughs> you can't tell me anything. If you want me to do something the way you want, you have to tell me to do the opposite. <laughs> now, unfortunately, so, yeah. I align with you very well is that my natural instinct <laughs> is to say uh, no and disagree <laughs> just because like just it just feels weird when someone's like do this and you're like, mm, why do you want me to do, the, do it that way? Now I must not do yeah. it because you asked me. <laughs> so bad. Well, now that well, you being a mom, I'm sure you're going to love that if if that happens in the reverse. Well, I just had this conversation with my mom because she was here uh, just until last week. And we were talking about how we are the same person. And it's endlessly annoying and beautiful at the same time. Because my mom is the most stubborn woman on the planet and the most lovely human being you've ever met in your life. 
but you cannot tell that woman what to do. She will do, she's going to do what she's going to do. And she'll listen to you respectfully. And she'll say, no, (laughs) (laughs) go on about her business. And I'm the same. And we just, whenever we're together, because I live so far away, we just realize every year, like, wow, you're me. (laughs) Like, I'm you. (laughs) So crazy. So, yeah. And I think my son, I already see it in him, even though he's only two weeks old. He's going to be the same, same child. (laughs) (laughs) That look in your eyes was like, I've got my work cut out for me. It's my payback for being such a child for my mother. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's how it's supposed to be. I think that's, that's like the rules. I feel like in a way that's like life teaching you both skill sets. Yes. Like being orderly and being like, all right, I have to have some structure in my life. Um, Mm Because otherwise, yeah, only I as a single person can manage the the chaos that is ultimately what we live through. Yeah. (laughs) So, because you're in Holland right now, right? Yes. And you've lived all over Europe. You were in Italy. Now you're in obviously the Netherlands. What made you move to Europe? I mean, I love Europe personally, but what made you decide to relocate? I always wanted to live abroad, always, especially since at home, most of my friends were not from the States. So I was always hearing their um, impressions of the States, also their grievances, you know, as Immigration is always a difficult thing and it's not friendly, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what country, being a foreigner is always a challenge, um, logistically, emotionally. So I always kind of had empathy for that, but I wanted to know what it meant. I don't know. I just always wanted to live somewhere else. And I like a challenge. I was like, I want to live a place where I don't have all of the resources, you know? Which sounds weird, yes. but that's what I wanted. That sounds very <laughs> weird. Like, no judgment, but, like, if I was your friend and you were like, hey, Aaron, the reason I want to move is because I want to go to a place where I have barely any resources and it will be really difficult to live, I would be like, I know you are ready not to tell you not to go because you're going to go anyway, but it sounds like an interesting move. And that's exactly what my friend like, are you okay, ma'am? So, I mean, it wasn't that dramatic, you know, within reason. And at the time I was dating um, my long time boyfriend and he, we always knew that he would leave. He would probably have to move because he was in academia and, you know, wherever they find a job, they have to go, you know, the best deal, the best offer they get, they go. At least that was his case. So um, he told me that he was moving to Rome and I was hell bent on moving to New York, doing my own thing. All my friends were in New York at that point. I was like, I'm going to New York. I'm not coming with So he um, got me a ticket to come hang out for a month. And he was like, come here for a month if you love me and if you love it here, please move. And I was like, I ain't going to move. <laughs> so... <laughs> I went and in that month, I made so many friends. We had such a good time, me and him. I found opportunities for work as a singer. And 
I was like, I need to move here. <laughs> the best idea ever. And um, yeah, it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to move abroad, but I just was thinking, you know, as everything, I don't really plan. I'm like, whatever happens gonna happen, I'm gonna be led there when I, when I am. And I guess I felt that that was the moment. And so I moved to Italy, just like that. It was like another two months and I was there. Which is just a little bit further than New York from home, just a tiny bit further. Mitch, <laughs> <laughs> my mother was pleased. Yeah. So, so what about it though? So, cause I mean, it's one thing to be there on holiday and it's one thing to be there for a month with your partner and you're just giving it a go. It's exciting. You're meeting friends. It's gorgeous. Like Rome is one of the most beautiful cities in the world and I absolutely love it. But what made you actually be like, I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to live here. I'm going to, number one, I have to learn Italian. Uh, And number two, like I have to deal with all the administrative nightmare that is actually moving countries. Balls to the wall. Let's do this. That's that was the logic. That was it. <laughs> like, whoa! <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that was the thought process. Um, so I um, yeah. I just, as I said, I always wanted to live abroad. I loved learning languages when I was a kid. I spoke fluent French. I was learning Spanish when I went to university because I had so many friends from different Spanish-speaking countries. We would all hang out. Everybody was speaking Spanish. So I was like, let me learn Spanish real fast so I can like hang out with my buds. And I did. I loved it. And I said, okay, let's go. Italy, it's happening. It's like a no-brainer. I'm going to go there. I'm going to just throw myself amongst people. I'm going to speak terrible Italian, throw in some terribly crazy Spanish words that make no sense in their language. And they're going to figure it out with me. We're going to have the best time. <laughs> That's what I did. And um, I learned pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, I loved the culture. I loved how warm people are. I loved, um, to be honest, Every day I woke up, I felt like I was in a movie. Like my life was a movie. Like I didn't expect it to feel like that. I didn't expect life to feel like that. And there's something like that speaks to like, there's a method to my madness. That's what I discovered, I think, from my Italy move. Like no matter how impulsive I am, I always land on my feet. I had a friend who called me a cat with nine lives. I land on my feet. And I just feel like I have to allow myself to either hit my head against the wall or just fly, you know? And I really felt when I lived in Italy, I was flying. And I don't know how to explain to you how every day just felt like I chose this. This is me. Like, you know, I don't know how to say, but yeah, well, I love it. I have a dream to retire in Italy. Like, Yes, and you should. I Rome is one of my favorite cities in the world. I've been there twice now and like mm. there I don't know it's really weird when people ask me how is Rome and I'm like I cannot describe to you what it's like to know that the Colosseum exists in real life and then you're just walking down a random street and you see it in the distance and you're like 
it is genuinely mind-boggling. And then when you actually go and see it up close, like it is astounding. And I feel like that is Rome as a city. That is, yes. it's filled with history and culture. And it just like, um, we you walk down a street and you're like, this has been here for thousands of years. Like this street, like who would have walked down? How many people will have lived their lives walking down these streets? And there's something beautiful about knowing that people have been here for such a long period of time. A thousand percent. It's a museum. It's a museum. It's crazy. And my my favorite thing about Rome is these huge uh, doors that lead to a garden. Like, you know, you're just walking down the street every day. You see the same giant door that's always closed. It's a bit tattered and old. And then one day you walk down the street and that door is open. It's a huge garden with fountains and like, I don't even know. It's it's like, an, the um, uh, how can I say? Like in Alice in Wonderland, the, the, the Queen's Garden, the Queen of Hearts Garden. It looks like that. It's just every day there's something so magnificent and beautiful, minus the evil queen, but... <laughs> Well, it's the same with like all the churches, like I'm not religious at all, but every Mm -hmm. corner you turn, again, you see massive doors to a church and it looks old and run down from the outside and you walk in and they have these tapestries that go from floor to ceiling and it is stunning. Like you just walk in and you're, it's almost like how, how is this possible? And it makes me living in Melbourne, go, this is what I miss, living in an old city, old in terms of just, like, the history of it. Like, we're such a young country, Australia, in general, but, like, just seeing it over time, all those things and just the lifestyle. And I think you touched on something really nice, which was, like, it's really warm and I feel like they're not, like, westernized in a way like they're like they're not yes american they're not aussie they're not the hustle isn't there in the same sense like when i went there i was like i can barely find a gym it feels like no one goes to the gym you wake up (laughs) the sun's out you go you have breakfast with an espresso there's like so many boutique cheese shops and pastries and then you can have a wine at lunch and that you sit on the street which is the best. You just sit on these cobblestone streets, you sit outside, you see yes. faces and you have a late dinner and they're drinking more wine and it's just like, oh no, this is the way to live. Like it just felt like, yeah, this is the real vibe. Definitely. Definitely. That's so enchanting about Italian culture in general. Rome is just Oh, yeah, I, I shouldn't talk about it because I gush. So <laughs> I'll have to say anything more. You just painted the perfect picture. Although I, I did have to also. disappoint a lot of Italians when they spoke Italian to me, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I am not Italian. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I know, but it's like <laughs> I, that's my dream, to be, like, mistaken for an Italian, and then the reality of me going, Ooh. can't help you, but I English. Oh, no. <laughs> That's like me in the Netherlands. <laughs> I, I like, I'm, I'm just terrible here. I haven't learned the language yet. I mean, I can understand. So people can speak to me in Dutch and I understand. But 
because the I think because the culture is so different that it's much less of like it's much less warm like not in a bad way but I think people are much more individualistic they're much more to themselves it's been very difficult to make local friends been very difficult to just like throw out like a little sentence here and there and have somebody catch it and throw one back at you um everybody's in at least the area I live which is the Ronstadt area that's where so many uh expats and you know foreigners live that everybody speaks English really well and also they're very proud to speak English so when they do it means when I approach people in Dutch then they're like oh she has an accent let me switch no (laughs) no I need to help I'm practicing for a reason (laughs) yes oh my gosh it's like so embarrassing because I'm the type of person that will go anywhere and I love to learn the language but if you don't have an immersion, like an immersive situation, then it's very difficult. At least for me, I learned by being totally immersed. And it's very difficult to find situations like that here. I think I should live in a different part of the Netherlands then. Because at least up in the Ronstadt area, there are so many uh, foreign people that everybody is speaking English. What made you move? <laughs> what made you move from Italy? Okay, how honest can I be, Aaron? Because it's a hot mess of a story. You can tell me whatever you want. There, as I said, I'm not going to cut it. So, whatever you're ready to share, I'm ready to put out. Okay, it's a hot mess. So, um, <laughs> the the person that I was with when I moved to Italy, he's a lovely guy. It just didn't work out, and we're still really good friends. But I stayed in Italy. I was working, living my life. I was working full time as a musician, living, loving it all over the place. And I met a guy through a a friend, a mutual friend. They worked at the same company together. Coincidentally, she had gone to school with me in Boston. Oh, wow. And she lived in Italy. She's Italian American. So she, she was living in Italy too. So we discovered this, she introduced me to her colleagues. And then I met uh, um, my now ex-husband and yeah, we hit it off really well. I was kind of hesitant because I lived in Rome and he lived in Bologna. And I didn't want to start anything really while I was long distance. But he was persistent. <laughs> so uh, eventually we got into a relationship and I eventually moved to Bologna with him. But plot twist. Okay. So the guy didn't tell me that he was going to look for jobs in another country. Um, immediately after I moved. So uh, my visa was up to expire. I was working at a club in Rome and they offered to sponsor my visa for reasons I will not detail, you know, on record. (laughs) I was a bit hesitant to um, ask them to sponsor me. I didn't trust that it would work out the way that I wanted. Um, So I was looking for alternatives and, he offered to sponsor me and that I could register in our apartment. And I said, no, because I didn't want to be attached to a person or rely on a person and not an entity to, you know, sponsor my visa. Um, Anyway, eventually all of my options were kind of falling through. Um, I consulted a lawyer and he was like, actually, this might be the best option if you register your apartment. And then as soon as you can, just try to switch your visa. I said, okay, finally. So I did that. And um, while I put my application in, you're not allowed to um, unregister from your residence. Well, 
he found a job abroad and he didn't tell me. And um, we had to um, lose the registration on the apartment where we had just moved in. And he moved within 10 days to wow, the Netherlands. 10 days. Yes. Um, he told everybody, like all of our mutual friends, that I was jealous. And that's why I was angry because he was finally doing something for him. And I was um, not having a good life. So I was angry that he was living the life he wanted. And so everybody turned against me. I lost like all the friends. The option for me was to either return to the United States where I hadn't been living for years and I had my whole career in Italy. I was booked for another year plus uh, for shows and concerts. So I needed to stay in Europe. Um, and so I had to move here. And um, he just totally changed as a person. Uh, I didn't know who I was next to anymore. Like, I didn't know who I was waking up next to. I had no idea who that person was. Like, he was just totally different than the person I met who I thought I knew. So we got a divorce. And I'm still here. <laughs> but very happily so, because the happy ending is I have a wonderful, beautiful, sweet fiance. We're really happy. Got an adorable baby living my best life, picked up all my pieces. So I'm cute again, but it was not cute for a while. <laughs> yeah, wow. That was like a roller coaster of a ride, literally. Yeah. But like I am. So I'm not here by my own volition, but we're making the best of it. Well, I was going to, I mean, for anyone who's listening to this, my eyebrows are so far up to my head that they've almost come off. I'm shocked by by the turn of events, but 10 days, that is insane. I don't think I've, I think it's taken me most of the clothes purchases that I've ever made in my life has taken more than 10 days for me to decide what I'm going to buy. There are shoes that I'm like, I really want those pairs of shoes. And then I just don't buy them for ages. And I keep looking at them in the, in the cart, but that is insane to move your life so quickly. And that the, that he had already made that decision. Like he was in talks with this company for, I don't know, more than a month, two months. But I was just none the wiser, had no idea. So to me, it was just like getting hit in the head with a ton of bricks. Luckily, I didn't move within 10 days. He did, and I could still keep the apartment. But um, I had to move in a, I think it was like a month, something like that. So, Yeah. Well, yeah, it was that was a hot mess, but we're here. We're here. You know? We're here now, and hey, it's mm -hmm. it's part of the journey. Like it, it genuinely yes. is. And like what I marvel about you the most is like how happy and free, and like how just well, like your energy is palpable. That's why when you said I made friends immediately, I was like, I can definitely see that. I can see you making I love friends people. so quickly. Thanks. I really love people, like, a lot. Like, I'm like a moth to a flame. When there's a person, I'm like, hi! <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably why I got in these crazy situations. Well, I got to say, for the industry that you're in, that is exactly what you need to be. You need to be someone who's willing to put yourself out there and start conversations because 
the musicians that don't. And, and it's so weird because you think that being a musician is simply being good at music, but it's not. It, it is relationship building. It is networking. It is literally leveraging people that you know so that they can look after you and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. I always think in music, I always tell my friends this, we have such a pact, you know, that if one of us gets to a certain level, we're going to pull the other one with us or we're going to cast a line out, you know, like, because that's all you can do. There are so many people that do not understand the importance of being collaborative and not competitive. Competitive means nothing. There is, for me, there's just no standard of a hierarchy. Like you can't, you can't quantify somebody's abilities or talent because there are just so many circumstances in which you can't see everybody's skills and talent all laid out in one place unless they have a lot of money behind them or they have like they're very you know like not to sound jaded or weird but just it's a process it's a journey and everybody's is different so you never know what somebody's capable of doing unless you give unless they have the opportunity to do something with it right so my friends and I have like this pact that like no matter what we're never gonna get too big in the head if one of us gets seven billion dollars we all got seven billion dollars we're all going on vacation we're all living on that yacht we are all recording that video you know what I mean it's uh and that's worked so very well thus far like for example a friend of mine um constantly he's doing really great amazing projects and always calls me up Lydia I want you to record this Lydia I think this is going to be a really cool endeavor jump on this write this for me or and we do that for each other and it's helped so much I think that's the best thing about uh having friends in your industry do not compete with them it it makes no sense it makes no no damn sense to me at all (laughs) like at all yeah, I think, you know, obviously this podcast is called the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, but hip hop is notorious for that. Hip hop, it like everyone you speak to is like, it's a sport and sport is yeah. obviously competition. And every fan, myself included, is always like, which verse was the best? Who is yeah. in the lists, the like top five lists, the best rapper alive, the like what all those things they're all part of hip hop. So I do agree with you though, that some people take it too far. Competition to me is yeah. healthy because it, to, yes. like for myself, it motivates me to get better. I like you said yeah. at the beginning, when people tell, you no, it's that stubbornness, a bit of that comp. Let me prove you wrong to show you that I can do it. I think it's the same in hip hop of like, how hey, you think you're better than me. Let me show you that I can, rise to the level but i think ultimately there has to be a line drawn of like i get rivalries but we gotta like not get to a different place where it can become damaging to everyone's career yes yes because you're gonna come i mean i'm saying like such a blanket statement you're gonna compete with each other you know you're gonna be in the same spaces like for example I don't know when I was in Rome I had friends who were also singers and there would be maybe one slot at a festival or there would be the the headlining act at the festival and whatever and we would switch places you know 
maybe it's just me. I'm also just, I'm very unbothered by those things because I also think it's going to come around again or it's going to be, you know, different the next time because I'm going to do my best irrespective of what my friend is doing and how well he or she performs. That's great. But, you know, I'm going to make sure that next year my portfolio is strong. So when I send out my videos or when I send out my, my, my package, you're looking at it like, wow, this is, this is worthy of a headline spot. This is worthy of, you know what I mean? So I, maybe because I'm not in hip hop and it's not so directly like head to head, you know, I can remove myself from other people and their journey and whatever they're doing enough to look at myself and say, I want to be better than the Lydia that showed up last time because the Lydia that showed up last time still got the gig and it was a dope gig, but the next time I want to reach this level and I don't actually care who else is trying to get there. I just know I'm going to do it because it's dependent on me only, not what somebody else does, you know? Yeah. Well, I think also house is way more collaborative. Like I've spoken to a couple of house artists and they're like, it is a completely different space. It is everyone shows love. Everyone is supportive of each other. Like, Obviously, there are people that you don't get along with, but there's, like, no beef. Like, beef is not yeah. really a thing that they have where it's, like, whereas in hip-hop, beef is so big, it sells. Like, everyone's <laughs> like, I love beef. I love beef, personally. I'm like, I have my favorite beef songs, like, whatever it might be. So it is interesting seeing the differences in particular genres and the way they interact with each other. Um, and I'm starting to go huh, maybe it can be different as opposed to just doing the same thing all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I also love the drama and the beef. I think it's great. Well, I mean, reality shows <laughs> are a thing, It also sells right? a lot of records. Yeah, and I think also just the nature. I don't, I'm not like such a hip-hop aficionado. I'm not like so knowledgeable, which is sad. But um, oh, how dare you? Like, I can uh, see well, how. Let's end this interview immediately. Uh, now that I'm <laughs> so sorry. It's it's called the hip hop hustle, and I'm sitting over here like wearing my little mustache. Like, let me just yeah, be an no, imposter. Don't like, worry. I you fit the hustle part of the show. So if anyone asks, Thank like, you. there are two parts. There's hip hop and there's hustle. So um, yeah, people have said to me like, hey man, I know nothing about hip hop. Are you sure you want to have me on the show? And I'm like, yeah, because I still want to talk to you. So, yeah. Aww, so, honestly, nice. uh, yeah, it's okay. We can continue. I, 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 yeah, we're okay. not going to have the mic just shut off immediately and end. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, I don't know. I think um, just seeing how far... I've gotten because of how much I've worked with other people. It would be silly of me to ever, especially when you find friends in the music industry, when you find real friends who are like, you know, anything you do, they're going to clap for you. That is so rare. And not even just in music. That's also with your circle who has nothing to do with your career, even like, friends from the outside or I don't know, family members in some people's cases, but it is so difficult to find people who will clap for you and find people who understand what the hell you're going through just to get this one 
project out just to <laughs> record this one song, just to get this one video done, just to play this one festival. And when you find people like that, you would be damned to ever damage that relationship just because that person succeeded in something that maybe you wanted. But if you watch them and how they did it, or if you ask them advice, especially if they're your friend, even if they don't give it to you outright, you can see their process. You can kind of interpret how you yourself might be able to attain something like that. And it will never look the same as their accomplishment, but it will look great for you. So, and they will do the same to you. They're going to watch you. They're going to listen to you. They're going to ask you. And we need those resources, you know. It's only people's so, egos that get in the way of that. Yeah, and it's so pointless. Like, I just find it so pointless. It's so exhausting. Like, that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves. Like, the minute I sniff ego, I'm like, all right. I'm... Well, there's... Are we done here? There's a saying, <laughs> and it's... uh if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And exactly. And like, and I think some people always want to be the smartest person in the room, the best artist yeah. in the room, the most talent, whatever it might be. And I think yeah. that is the worst attitude to have because if you're the dumbest, to use that phrasing, well, then everybody else around you will ultimately force you to level up. They're going to, you you rise with the tide. Whereas like if you're in there and you're just, and everyone's all over you and they're like, you know, saying how amazing you are, you're not going to get better. You're going to stay exactly the same. And then all of a sudden you're in that same room and you're no longer the smartest because everybody else has been learning and getting better thousand percent and also if you're in a space where somebody's better than you they perform better than you that day they are just at a different level than you it doesn't mean you're not doing great because even when you're in that space and let's say like 80 of the people are looking at that artist or those artists who are at a higher level than you there is going to be one two people who are looking at you like i see you there i see your potential i like this about you this is different this is cool And you start working with them. You know, like, don't eliminate yourself from any space. Don't do it. And don't be so afraid of failing or looking crazy that you eliminate yourself from so much potential, from so many opportunities. Because it's great to look crazy. It hurts. You may have to go into your cocoon for like a couple of days. And like, you know, drink a bottle of wine by yourself in a dark room. That's okay. And then you emerge and you're just like already a step or two up. You know, like that's that's the vibe. That's kind of what makes music so fun. Because you, it's like a constant video game that you're just like, you're battling yourself. You know, like, I can do better than this. Isn't that the best <laughs> you know? that you've managed to gamify it all? That you're like, oh, this is all just yeah. a game. And I'm having fun playing the game and sometimes I will lose and I lost that game and then I just restart and I just see if I can navigate differently, make this jump a bit better. I think that's like some will say it's not the healthiest way to look at it, but I think it is actually a super healthy way to look at it because you're not overly attached to the outcomes, which is way better. Yes. 
like as soon as you like make it your whole entire it's difficult when that's your job but when you make it your whole entire existence it can be but trick your brain into thinking I'm doing this thing right now. I'm compartmentalizing this thing I need to do. And I need to reach this point to this point. And when I get here, we will reevaluate, reassess, and get to the next point. Do not make it your whole entire world. And if this doesn't work this time, I'm just a failure. No, stop it. Don't be dramatic. Oh, my God. You will never be happy. <laughs> so, especially not in this in this industry. So... Yeah, I feel like looking at it as a video game is a way to like depersonalize the experience every single time and just say, this was my objective. I did not reach it. Cool. Going to do it again. Reset. <laughs> okay. Try it again. And as soon as I get to the next, then we're going to do it all over again. It's going to be fun and it's going to look different. It, it's a different level. So that's how I have kept my sanity. <laughs> yeah. Questionable, but you've, you've managed. Oh, very. <laughs> <laughs> incredibly quick i mean my interpretation of sanity also <laughs> yeah that's true that's very yeah your sanity is different to everybody else's um but yeah. but you've gotten to where you are now for a reason and and that is that is ultimately like you can question the methods you can question the madness but it has been your journey and and i think that's the best part of it is you can look at your own career and you're like I did it my way. I did it on my own yes. terms and I didn't let all the random shit hold me back. Yeah. That feels the best. So why house? Ooh, okay. So I used to be one of those, oh my gosh, I don't even think I should say this. I'm going to say it anyway. Anyway, so <laughs> I used to be one of those people that would listen to any kind of electronic music and be like, oh no, this is not the type of music I want to make. <laughs> and so <laughs> just like so judgy wedgy, ew. And then I moved to the Netherlands and I um during the pandemic lost all of my live events. I was doing mostly live uh, shows. And I wrote my own music as well. But um, I was contacted by a producer who was like, do you want to write to this track? And I was like, sure. Okay. So I, I tried it out. And that song got, I think it was like 300,000 streams. Just the first song I wrote. Wow. And I was like, that's crazy. So... And I had to learn, but it was kind of like that video game mentality that I was like, okay, I can't perform live. I need to do music. I'm losing my mind. Got to keep my sanity. Um, this is something I've never done before. When I actually sat down to write to that track, I was like, this is actually not easy because you have to think of catchy phrases, very short amount of time, especially when the streaming era really picked up and now we're all the way knee deep in it. It went from like maybe, I don't know, 20 seconds you get to catch the listener's attention to now you get the first second if it's not hot. If You know what I mean? Nobody's listening. They're skipping. So this is such a cool challenge. I was like, this is amazing. And I was listening to the productions of different producers that were reaching out to me. And I was like, this is actually so incredibly cool. And um, yeah, I just loved house. I love classic house. I love like 
old school house, you know, I love um, like Robin S. Come on. I love me some crystal water. Come on. Like, so I was like, let me just, just throw it in. You know, I also have a very deep voice. Um, maybe you can't really tell, but like my voice is really like rich and round. And I hear a lot of times in house music, a lot of female voices are very light and beautiful, airy voices. I love that sound. I just don't have that sound. So I was like, I don't even know if this is going to work for the genre I'm trying to sing, but it ended up working. So yeah, I just started loving it. And now I have like a whole playlist of house music on my Spotify. I listen all the time. I have been converted to a believer and a lover and appreciator. <laughs> you know what? I was so distracted by your description of your own voice that I was just like <laughs> that whole end that I know that you're a believer, you're converted, but like <laughs> I was like, huh, her voice is round. And I just, and I was like, I think it, you're right. I Like I would never describe <laughs> a voice that way. So it was just interesting hearing the way you've described like your description of your own voice. And now I'm now I'm just like listening to you. I'm like, can I pick up on the roundness? And I don't even know what I'm listening to or listening out for. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I there think- are things that you've been saying that I'd, obviously I haven't thought about before and now I'm like trying to find what you're describing. Yeah, I'm definitely an alto voice. And I feel as though a lot of, like a deep alto, and I feel as though a lot of singers, um, women singers in this genre have pretty soprano voices and very light voices. And they just dance really nicely on the instruments and track. And I found that when I would sing certain things, either producers would try to pitch up my vocals like with a like a plugin they would use to kind of alter the the depth of my voice and that would make me really self-conscious actually only one song I allowed it to be released like that because I was really adamant about not changing my voice you know um but now I'm kind of lending myself to the fact that it just is how it is there's like one only one only one song. I allowed it to happen. It's not out yet, but um, yeah, I heard, um, I think his name is A7S. Um, he sings, I mean, he has a much higher voice. He's a, a guy, um, also a house singer, much higher voice than what he records. Like they also use this, you know, uh, they pitch his vocals down and I thought his voice was like this big beefy, like baritone sound uh-uh. I saw him sing live and it was all the way up here I was like still a gorgeous voice but there's that sound that people want and I just always felt that I didn't have that sound which also might have been why I was always a little like meh <laughs> you know house ain't for me but um I'm not close-minded so I got over myself I stopped being ridiculous and now I love it <laughs> well, yeah I feel like it's only it's the fans that decide at the end of the day. And there is always something yeah. of like, if I only hear angelic voices, that there is something awesome about not hearing an angelic voice. 
Like, I don't know. There's yeah. something about, again, bucking away from the trend of like, is someone doing something different? And am I hearing a new take on a genre that I like? And some will like it, some won't, but I think that's an important yeah. part. So, you know, you we spoke earlier about not being scared to go for it and you're just showing like you got to go for it, even if it doesn't feel like it's the right thing. But, yeah, the fans ultimately get to decide. Got to try. Because then if I didn't try and if I didn't push through it and didn't push through my insecurities about it, because that's probably why I was more um, on the negative side of that genre. I was like, oh, no, it's not for me because I felt like I wouldn't be able to achieve it, which is my own bullshit. Like, you know, stop, you know. So I was like, let me just throw my little my little seasoning in there as usual throw it at the wall, see what sticks. And um, it works. So I'm really happy with it. And actually, I think it's like becoming my favorite music to write. Don't say it too loud because uh, that might actually be, might become true. (laughs) Yeah, it's so nice. I think it's such a cool challenge. Like, yeah, like finding catchy because I'm such a like, you know, in the music I was writing before, definitely like more pop and R&B. And to be much more um, elaborate and expressive in the words you choose because you have more time in the music, you have more space. But in this genre, keep it simple, keep it really, um, keep it direct to the point. You know, like uh, you can use metaphors and it can be that, but also it has to be tangible, it has to be graspable to the audience. And that person should be fist pumping in the club and shouting your lyrics they should be either crying in the club with you (laughs) or partying in the club with you but just make it simple that anybody for any language that they speak should be able to repeat a highlight section of your song and that's exactly my mission like i want to talk to everybody i want to be around everybody so this music allows me to do that allows me to write for anyone so i'm always getting better i'm by no means like amazing at it or anything i really just started doing it during the pandemic well but yeah isn't it funny though that like we love complexity but there is something complex about making it so simple like it's the most complex thing ever to make something simple complexity is so simple to me, simplicity is so complex. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a dish. It's like cooking. It's like there is something heartwarming about a dish with five ingredients that you've brought the most out of all of those ingredients in the combination, in the preparation. And then when you taste it, it feels and tastes so complex and so there's so much depth but it it really yeah. is sim- simple and like you know people constantly say good quality bread and butter is like the best thing ever and it genuinely is amazing and i feel like when you start listening to music you gravitate to how awesome is this complexity and it's so complex and then you're out the other side and you're like how awesome it how simple it is yeah yeah it's like Probably my biggest learning curve. I was working with a guy who 
great producer, great uh, label owner as well. And we were working on a lot of songs together. He is like probably the reason I got such a good start in uh, recording and writing house music. But he told me, once you learn to write a really catchy hook, you're going to be unstoppable. And I was like, I got to learn how to write a really catchy hook. <laughs> you know, like, I love that feedback. I love that, like, because he loved how I was writing and I loved his music. Like, wow. And we were a really good team, but it was like, okay, I need to move in this direction. I need you to be able to come in this direction. It's also going to help you with other people, you know, make more money, make more music. So I put myself to trying to write as much as possible, even on my own and see what came of it. And I think I've improved tenfold because of that feedback he gave me. And, you know, I'm not sensitive. So if something's like not hitting, please tell me, like, you know what I mean? Like, girl, that ain't it. We're like, okay, see you in a couple days with something else. You know what I mean? So that helped me tremendously. And I think why I'm so grateful to have the opportunities to collaborate with such great musicians and uh, producers, DJs from all over the world. It's so cool. And um, yeah, I owe it to like honest feedback and like people giving me a chance. And um, that's collaboration, you know? Yeah. So endlessly grateful for that and that attitude in people. I love the idea that people will be listening to this and they're like, fuck, I have to learn how to make a hook. I have to make <laughs> something catchy. And I actually really agree with you. You know, when I look at music that I love, there is something to be said about someone who writes a song, someone who writes a hook, someone who has, you know, a clear song structure as opposed to just, like I'm just going to go balls to the wall and just go crazy for it. There's moments for that, but all the most successful artists, they have this innate ability to create songs that get stuck in your head that you repeat over and over again. And you're like, Oh, it's so annoying, but you can't help but love it. Like that is yeah. ultimately what sells songs and albums and records. It's all about, is it going to last over time and is it going to stick in your mind? Yes. Is it an earworm? <laughs> Literally. And I have this, that's maybe another reason that I was negative about electronic music in general, not because I didn't like it really. I was really listening to voices around me that called the, the genre in general which there are so many sub subgenres again, so you can't just blanket, you know. So, but people saying, "Oh, it's not real music. It's computer music. It's not. Uh, it's not creative," you know. And because of the simplicity of the writing style, which is actually not simple at all, once now I'm in it, like people are really quick to dismiss it as basic and you know, not challenging or not requiring, you know, um, how can I say like prowess in your craft? Like it's, 
it's not something that anybody can just wake up and just do. You know what I mean? I'm sure there are many people who can, but like, you know what I mean? It's not something that like, you know, I don't know. Your cousin is like, okay, today I'm a house producer. You know what I mean? Today I'm gonna write a house song. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's gonna sound crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like people are negative about things that are outwardly simple. But they just don't know the process. Yeah. Of how rich it is, you know. Well, I'm with you. I am. I felt exactly the same way as you. I was like, man, no one's playing instruments. It's just a DJ. They're like just putting on whatever. You can't tell the difference. And then now over this journey of doing the podcast and speaking to musicians and speaking to people and actually being curious enough to understand, I'm like, oh, no, there's elements of music that I like that I'm being able to see now in-house in what DJs are doing in different genres and I am realizing that I have been it's just been a mistake to close myself off to other forms of music because if you're careful enough and if you really want to you can find music that you like in every single genre yes absolutely and when you find that one song then all of a sudden the next day you're like Oh shoot, I might have found two more. Oh crap, might have found 10. Like, you know, it just opens your ears. Yeah. I I said it to my friends yeah. recently. I was like, guys, I have uh, some upsetting news for you all. I think I might be into house. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, it's a whole vibe. And the thing is, you know, um watching I, I get really interested in YouTube is like my second university i love you too because <laughs> it's free no but anyway <laughs> but i was watching like how you know how producers make i don't know a song like i don't know ariana grande on whatever album or how producers will make i don't know x kind of song for whatever artist and when i was looking at house music oh my gosh like the plugins, the um, like the fact that you can play like there. I mean, this sounds so goofy, but really, that there are so many complex plugins or like, for example, Serum that you can really like create your sound, create your drum sound. I mean, I knew it's possible. I know these things, but watching the process and how it's done because I'm like a vocalist and I definitely like produce my vocals, but I'm not so much into like now I'm much more into it but I wasn't much into instruments in producing and production and it is a whole other world of crazy like it's amazing like the things that people do like uh really inspired me so yeah and now I started I was like okay let me try to dabble and do my own thing produce my own stuff so yeah that's been cool too well I'm looking forward to your project so coming out your own Thank solo you. produced house, like you do your own vocals, you can control. There's no one going to be changing the the pitch of your yeah. of your vocals if it's solo produced. Yeah, and uh, I have the song, I have the track ready. Just want to add a couple things, <laughs> but I do want to release it maybe at the top of next year. 
because it would be nice to have a visual. But you know, I just had this kid, so you can make it work. You can make it work. I think I'll make it. I think there's something <laughs> there's something to be said for like I don't know as we said, imperfection is part of it. So it and and I've learned this along the way is like nothing's ever finished. It's just when you're ready to release. Never. It. Yes. Yes. I'm really good at that. I will just throw stuff out. It's good. People want <laughs> no. more music. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel awkward and empty when I haven't released something in a while. There was like, I think, a period of more than a year that I didn't release a single thing. And I just felt so outside of myself. Like, like, who am I? Is this, this woman? Yeah, you were like, is this thing on? Like, <laughs> I have to remember yeah. how to do it. I did. I did. Well, I only have mm-hmm. one more question for you, Lydia. I feel like we could talk forever, and I love conversations like this, but I am wary of taking up three hours of everybody's time. Um, but it is probably the hardest question I'm going to ask you. If you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of can be any genre of music, cannot be your own music, what would it be? Oh. Okay, wait. Let me take to my phone. Yeah. See, I'm not as nice I as I look. The options. I g- this is very difficult, <laughs> and people are going to judge. Nah, uh, I don't know. I think they have to listen to it first. If they do, it's fine. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Besides, Mm-mm. if it makes you feel have- any better, I've done... 162 now, uh, now that we're recording this, 162 episodes. So there's been a lot of recommendations. Wow. So I doubt that you're going to cop specific hate for your choice. Good. Because <laughs> it might be wild. <laughs> Go for it. Um. Okay. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Album, because this is my problem. So I'm be listening to albums like that. I know that sounds terrible and blasphemous, and I said it because I have such a scattered brain that I just pinpoint songs. Let me let me get my life in order. Um, I feel like let's see. Did you have one that came to your mind? No, that's a problem. That is the problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem. I'm like a song girl, not like an album experience person, mm. which sounds terrible because I'm a musician. Yeah, especially if you're planning on putting out an album. <laughs> Pre-save it, guys. Yeah, listen to my album. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a scattered hot mess. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, well, I can tell you... Okay, I loved Summer Walker's album Over It. Loved it. Um, I just love her songwriting. It wasn't really particularly for the story or anything. I just feel like in R&B right now, I love her voice because it's so distinguishable. I love her songwriting. I loved every song. And I don't usually love, I, I, oh, how can I phrase this? I don't usually listen to every single song on an album because I get distracted very easily. (laughs) 
it sounds bad, but this one really was uh, exceptional. Over it, Summer Walker, I would recommend it. I thought also the collaborations she did were really cool. And I just feel like she has a really organic, raw sound, but it's so refined. I don't know how to describe that. But Summer Walker Over It is the most recent album I think I really thoroughly enjoyed from like front to back. There you go. It's like from 2019. See, you got there in the end. It wasn't so bad. It wasn't so painful. It was a little painful. I was like, who am I going to slight by like, <laughs> you know, because I'm going to leave and I'm going to be like, I should have said. Well, do you know what? Good excuse for you to come back on the show at another point so you can change your answer. Look at me tying in yeah. multiple, uh, you coming on multiple times. Sometimes I surprise myself I with how that. good I am at podcasting. Now that I said that, I hugely regret saying that I'm amazing. <laughs> but um, absolute pleasure having you on the show, the one and only Lydia Lyon. Please make sure you show her some love. Check her out. As we said, there is new music coming, hopefully at the top of the year, with visuals. In the meantime, Into You just came out as well. That's on all streaming platforms. Check her out on uh, IG as well. You're there where we didn't even get to talk about Holland's Got Talent, which you performed at. So that's like a a sneak drop. We're going to have to do that next time. But, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I had the best time. And you are incredible. I love this uh, podcast. So I'm going to be watching every every other episode. (laughs) Well. It's more than my friends listen to, so that's probably a good thing. You've officially become my number one fan. Uh, congratulations. Uh, that means that you get to come on anytime you want. you just got to shoot me a message and be like, all right, we're back. Let, let's, Would love it. let's chop it up. But, yeah, absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to see what else you do. And, um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now